0: Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's word with Pastor Mike Bird. Well, we're gonna be in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number six. Last week, we, we looked at this uh, fourth piece of the armor about the, about the shield of faith, and if you're just joining with us, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and uh, we've come now to this part uh, about our, uh, the armor that, that God has provided for us, and also uh, the strength that he gives us, and that's what God wants you to use, he wants you to use his armor, his strength, not your armor or your strength or somebody else's strength or somebody else's armor. He wants you to use what he's given you. And uh, so as we looked at this, uh, the shield of faith last week, we concluded that the believer needs the shield in order to extinguish all the fiery arrows that the enemy, a spiritual enemy, a real enemy is constantly uh, bombarding you with and uh, you need the shield, it's not optional. It's uh, something that you uh, really need. And so the believer, he extinguishes these, these, uh, these arrows through faith. And we gave a definition of faith as it is, uh, as what it is is believing God's word and primarily uh, not just believing God's word, but it is actually putting and applying God's word Uh, to what he says to the particular problem that you might be facing or temptation that the enemy has shot at you. And last week, uh, we kind of concluded, I I gave out several uh, pieces of paper um, for you to fill out and write down what are the fiery arrows that are being directed towards you. And uh, I got several of those back, and I kinda grouped them together as, uh, in, some, uh, in about five categories, and I told you that we would cover uh, those things uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, so the five categories that I kinda grouped these into was um, worry and anxiety, um, fear, depression, sexual immorality, forgiveness or unforgiveness, and uh, self-righteousness. And so over the next few weeks, those are the things that we're going to be covering, how you as a believer can actually um, equip yourself enough in order to handle uh, those fiery arrows that are coming your way. And so this week we're going to cover about how to use the shield of faith to extinguish uh, the fiery arrows of worry and anxiety. Uh, And so this is what I want you to take away with you today. If I use my shield correctly, I can extinguish the fiery darts of worry and anxiety. If I use my shield correctly, I can extinguish the fiery darts of worry. Uh, Remember, God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. I don't believe he just saves us and lets us defend on our own as to try to figure all this stuff out. Uh, He gives us his word. He gives us exactly what we're supposed to do in order to live godly in Christ Jesus. And so he gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So I want to give you a couple helpful things here this morning, how you can use your shield of faith uh, to extinguish the fiery uh, darts, the fiery arrows of worry and anxiety. Uh, So let's look here, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. uh, He says here, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So if we're going to extinguish worry, first of all, extinguish worry by trusting God, I know that seems a little trivial, but uh, let me explain to you what that means to trust God and primarily how we're using this shield. Um, Paul says that we're supposed to take up the shield of faith. Take it up. And he says, it's it's not something that's just automatic. You actually have to do it. You have to put it into practice and actually live it out. Uh, So he says, take up this shield of faith. And so just because you're a believer in Jesus doesn't mean that you are already protected from the enemy. That'd be like uh, signing up for the Marines and then getting on a boat and never having any type of uh, training or given any type of armor and then right, going right into the enemy territory and saying, hey, I'm a Marine. You wouldn't last very long. You have to take it up. You have to actually put it into practice. And so you must actively trust in God when the enemy's arrows fly. And this involves a few things. So here they are. Number one, trusting God means that we can rely on God because of his promises when our circumstances are good and bad, uh, you should read the Psalms often. The Psalms are a, uh, uh, experiential examples of men in desperate circumstances that trusted in the Lord for deliverance. Often when you read the Psalms, you find the psalmist, his life is in danger. I mean, it's, it's in terrible, dire straits. Uh, it's gloom. It's, it's destruction that's coming his way. And uh, then you find that uh, the psalmist will then rehearse his circumstances. He cries out to God uh, for help. And by the end of the psalm, you find that the psalmist is now rejoicing in God's salvation and his provision in his life. What changed? Something changed in that person's outlook in life. Um, even though the circumstances may have not changed, but yet he could still rejoice. In God's promises of salvation. And that's how you actively trust God. You, you analyze your situation that you're faced with. God, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. Um, God, my teenager is rebelling against you, uh, being sucked into this evil world. God, I need a job to provide for my family. You tell the Lord your desperate situation, you're rehearsing it to Him. And then you rehearse who God is and what he has promised and you make a decision to rely on him, even if the circumstances don't change. You rely upon him. You're trusting in him. Uh, Even you can say with Job, uh, Job 13, 15, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Because you know that beyond the grave, you have eternal life. With Christ. And that's one of the things that you have to understand that this life is just temporary. If God grants you the uh, life to live past whatever age you are right now, um, that's God's gift, that's God's blessing. And you have to realize you're not going to live forever here and now. Um, but if you know Christ as your Savior, you've repented of your sins and you've put your faith in Christ and Christ alone, you have life with Him beyond the grave, and so this life is just temporary, and this is one of the problems with the uh, prosperity gospel uh, message that's being uh, pushed out there today, it's all about now, 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 have your best life now, I'm sorry, I don't want to have my best life now, (laughs) Uh, my best life is with Jesus Christ in all of eternity, So uh, we got to understand that uh, beyond this is life. And even though your circumstances are dire and terrible and and, and horrible, you can still yet trust in God because of who God is. Uh, Secondly, trusting God means that we know our weaknesses and God's strength. We all tend to trust in ourselves and in our own ability to get ourselves out of the difficulties that we face in life. And so the Lord has to bring us to a place uh, to see our weaknesses. Uh, John Calvin pointed out one of his sermons out of Ephesians uh, on this text that faith by definition looks away from oneself and uh, really... Uh, looks towards God alone for help. Listen to what he says. He says, Paul meant to humble us and to show us that God must provide us with all things belonging to and requisite to our victory. So if we think that we're capable of handling things on our own or just with a little boost from God, then guess what ends up happening? We end up taking credit for the victory. God doesn't want us to take victory, take credit for the victory. Uh, the Bible tells us that no flesh would glory in his sight. And so what God wants us to do is he brings us to the point where we are at our, we've expended every other option in life. And he brings us to that point where we turn to him in trust. And we say, God, I, I want to trust you. So that it exposes our own weakness and exposes his greatness and his his strength uh, that we can trust in. So the Lord has to humble us to see our own weaknesses. So if we're going to trust God, we must also know God's strength and his promises. And we learn of these qualities and promises from God's word. That's why I say that if you're gonna be a person of faith, you have to be a person of the word. You don't just say the word faith and magical things happen. Um, You have to know the word of God. You have to use the word of God in your life. And so if you're gonna be a person of faith, you need to be a person of the word. Sometimes Christians complain that they don't uh, have enough faith. They see a Christian with strong faith and they say, well, I really wish I could have that kind of faith. But that puts the focus on faith itself, does it not? Rather than on God, faith is the only as good as its object. And so we have to have faith in God's word. We have to have faith in God. And I believe as you learn and you're using the word, your faith will grow stronger as you are reading God's word and as you are uh, seeing how he's sustained believers in the past and how, he, how you hear about how he's sustaining believers now. And you can look back on your life and you can see what God has done in your past life and how he has sustained you uh, through those dark times. Your faith will grow stronger. And so we should know our weaknesses so that we can learn to lean on God's strength in order to help us through those difficult things. Thirdly, trusting God means obeying God, what he says, and don't miss this next part, regardless of how you feel. Trusting God means that you are obeying his word regardless of how you feel. Faith and obedience are, are really closely related to in Scripture. Let me give you just a few verses on this. John 3:36: Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Acts 5:32: We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Acts 6, 7, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Romans 1.5, though through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. Romans 15.18 and 19, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around Lyconium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, Romans 16, 26, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. So genuine faith necessarily results in obedience to God. And that's why I say you must obey God, trusting him, believing his word, trusting his word regardless of how you feel. Because if we go by feelings, our feelings change, do they not? Sometimes I wake up and I feel great. Sometimes I wake up and my wife says, you're prickly today, you're a cactus, right? I can't go by my feelings, but I can trust in his word because his word never changes. And if I obey his word, regardless of how I feel, then I can expect the right kind of outcome to happen. 1 John 2, 3 through 4 says this, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So when I talk about trusting God, I'm not, I'm not divorcing it from practical obedience. I'm not just saying to somebody, well, you need to trust God. There must be practical obedience put in place. You know, we talk to somebody and they're going through a hard time. What is, what is usually the cliche that we, that we like to say to them? You just need to trust God. But what does that mean? It means that I'm putting into practice the actual truth of God's word. And so we're not divorcing the the two. So if your faith is truly in God, you will obey his commandments. So here's the evil enemy. He's seeking to destroy you. You're taking up the shield of faith practically. You're saying, I'm going to use faith. I'm going to use obedience to the word of God. And you have to obey his words. So let's find out what God says about worry and what you can do about it. Actually, how to use the word to combat the fiery arrows of worry. So let's look at the second thing. Extinguish worry by obeying his word. So not only are we trusting in his word, but now we actually need to practically obey his word. This may come to a shock to some of you, but I get worried a lot. When I'm going through times of anxiety or worry, what I like to do is just veg out on the television because that's gonna help me. (laughs) But it doesn't. Problem doesn't go away. If anything, all I've done is just filled my mind with empty promises. I filled my heart with what? Nothing good? And after the movie's over, after the, the okay, I'm on the fifth season now. All right. What's my life? Still in the same mess that it was. And so I have to practically apply God's word to my life in order to deal with worry. So let's read this passage here, Philippians chapter four, six through eight. Uh, this gives us exactly how you handle the problems of anxiety or worry. Listen to what Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now verse seven, that is where we wanna go, right? That's what we want. We want the peace of God ruling in this situation. We want our minds and our hearts to be at ease so we're not anxious or we're worrying about it. It could be worried about anything. It could be worried about your family. It could be worried about job situation. It could be worried about a neighbor. It could be worried about world events. You put whatever you want to in that category. But he says, don't be anxious because you want the peace of God ruling in your heart and your mind. So then he continues on here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Here's the promise again. And the God of peace will be with you. So if I'm going to overcome anxiety and worry in my life, first of all, I need to overcome worry. God says I must pray properly. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, notice these facts about the kind of prayer that overcomes worry. First of all, he says that we are to pray when we're worried. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. You know what we do when we worry? Do we pray? Nope. Sometimes we get on the telephone, call people, tell them all of our worries and our woes. We don't pray. This is obedience to God's word. This is what he says. If you want to overcome worry and anxiety in your life, you have to pray properly. So you pray. What are you supposed to be praying about? Praying about the things that you're worried about. You make them known to God, your request known to God. Look what he says. By in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So I'm to pray when I'm worried. I'm to pray about everything that is causing or that I think might be causing me to be anxious. A good habit that would be good for you to do is, you know when the times that we're worried the most? Right before we go to bed. And is that not the reason why we see so many people who are medicated today because they can't sleep? because they're so worried about things. And so they're looking for something else to help them cope. But yet God's word gives us the answer here. So something that could help you before you go to bed would probably get a piece of paper, get a journal, get a notebook, something, write down everything that you're worried about. And then guess what? You turn that into prayer. You make your requests known to God. God, this is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm worried about. And come to find out some of the things that you might be worried about are really not that big of a deal. Did you guys ever see the movie uh, A Series of Unfortunate Events? Remember that movie? Lemony Snicket's. So he's This lady, she's in this movie, and she's uh, she's worried about everything, and she has her nephews, uh, nephew and niece there, and uh, she's in there, and and the the nephew goes up to the to the refrigerator. She goes, oh oh, don't go up to the refrigerator because it might slip and fall and crush you flat. Okay, and then she then he goes up to the doorknob. She goes, oh, stay away from the doorknob because it might get really hot and burst into a thousand pieces, and shards of glass would go everywhere. I mean, just. Worried, 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 worried. And so it'd be good for you to write down those things. What are you worried about? What is causing you to be anxious? And you turn those into prayers and you make them known to God. Now look at this other thing that he says, the kind of prayers we're supposed to be praying. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and look at this and supplication. What does that mean? That means we're to be asking continually. Sometimes uh, talking with people and you ask them, you know, they might be struggling with something in their life, and usually I'll ask them, I'll say, Did you pray about it? And if they say yes, my next question is, Well, then how long? Microwave prayers, you know, the one minute prayers, okay? That does not get things done. It is continually, by supplication, you are coming before God. You say, why is God trying to do all this? Because he's trying to get you to a point where you trust in him and him only. That's what God's trying to do. And so he says, by supplication. So it's not this one-time prayer that the worry and anxiety goes away. The idea of supplication is to make a petition and you're urging, you're making an appeal to Christ, you're making an appeal to God and you're coming before him continually. Jesus gave us several examples of this kind of prayer and taught us that it's this type of prayers that gets the results. Luke eleven five five through 13 gives us the parable of the, the man that went to his friend at midnight, remember? And he had nothing to eat. And he goes there and he wakes up his friend and he's knocking on the door and, hey, 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 I need something, I need something. And, and his friend's in the bed. He's goes, what time is it? Oh, I'm just trying to go back and say, hey, 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 I need something, I need something. And there's a continual supplication, a continual petition. And finally the guy gets up and he goes to his friend and he says, what do you need? Anything, anything, here, whatever you need, here. And that's the kind of prayers that get the results that we need. Um, Luke 18, one through seven, Jesus gave a similar parable about this time about a widow and a unrighteous judge. And she wasn't getting justice. And she goes to that judge and she says, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. I need justice for this. And he won't, he won't, he doesn't fear man, he doesn't fear God, but because she continues to go to him and goes to him and goes to him and goes to him, guess what? Finally, he says, just to get her out of my hair, just to get her to shut up, I will give her anything she wants. And the Lord's trying to teach us something about this supplication, bringing it before him Continually. So we got to have the right type of prayers. Then look what he says. He says, we're also supposed to pray with thanksgiving. This will really help change your thinking about the situation that you're in. When you're worried and you're, you're stressed and you're, 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 you're anxious about the things that are going on in your life. The Bible says you're supposed to pray with thanksgiving. So when you, when you pray, you should have a list of all the things that you are thankful for. And this will change our negative, doubtful attitude to that of thanksgiving and rejoicing. Because we're thanking God for what he has done in our life. We're thanking God for how he has provided in our life. Secondly, to overcome worry, God says, I must think properly. Look at verse number eight. So the goal is that we'll have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that it'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But look, verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So look at these types of things you must think about if you're to become a peaceful person so that you're not thinking about worry and thinking about being anxious. He says we're supposed to have the right type of thinking. So you should make a specific list of what these things are for you. So what is true to you? What things in your life are true? You should write those things down. Those are the things that you're supposed to be thinking about. What things in your life are lovely? Write them down. Think about those things. What things in your life are commendable or pure? What things are excellent in your life? What things are worthy of praise in your life? write those things down and think about those things instead. A few passages of scripture that I think could help you in going in the right direction would be uh, Romans twelve two, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 1 Peter three fourteen through 15. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for you a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So he says, even if you are suffering for righteousness sake, you'll be blessed. Think about that. Matthew 6, uh, 25 through 32, great passage, what the Lord reminds us that the things, he says, don't be anxious for your life, what you're gonna put on, what you're gonna eat. He says, because the Lord feeds the birds. He closed the, clothes the, clothes the grass. He says, don't be anxious about these things because your father in heaven already knows that you have need of these things. And so we're supposed to have the right type of thinking. So I believe you should plan specific things you can do to make sure you are thinking properly. How can you change your negative, pessimistic thinking to biblical thinking? You have to be prepared. You have to write these things down. You actually have to put the word of God into practice in your life. Thirdly, to overcome worry, God must live properly. Look at verse number nine. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Listen to these two verses that I'm going to give you here and notice how anxiety is connected with wrong living. Okay? Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So if you're living wicked lifestyle, expect to have worry and anxiety in your life. But if you're living a righteous type of lifestyle, expect to be bold as a lion. Proverbs one thirty three. but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread or disaster. So the opposite is true. Those who do not listen will not be secure and will not be at ease, and they will have dread and disaster. So it's all part of how you are living in your life. So if we are not obeying our God-given responsibilities in life, for example, you take a, uh, you take a marriage, husband and wife, okay? If the husband is not following the pattern outlined in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 as he's supposed to be loving his wife, supposed to be sacrificially giving himself to his wife, supposed to be uh, uh, washing her by the water of the word, supposed to be uh, uh, helping her, okay, and he's just kind of bumbling through life, not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's going to have anxiety and worry in his life when things are not going the way they're supposed to be going because he just will not live properly. So it's real important for us to be doing our God-given responsibilities because if we're not, we're going to have worry and anxiety in our life. Some people are worried about losing their jobs because... Well, frankly, look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Uh, bond servants, obey your earthly masters. If you will not obey your boss and you get fired, it's not his fault. And if you're worried about getting fired because you're not doing your job, start doing your job. That's, that's how simple this, some of this stuff really is, Okay. So this is all part of living properly. Um, if, you are, if you are living beyond your financial means, charging everything on credit cards and doing this and doing that, you're, you're going you're to be going to bed with worry and anxiety because you're not living properly to what the biblical lines are of how we should be living. So some people are worried about finances because they're not good stewards of their finances. Uh, I believe you should look over your life, okay? Look over your life and note where you are not fulfilling the God-given roles and responsibilities in life. And that would probably help you immensely in a lot of these areas that you're worried or you're anxious about because just by doing and doing what you should be doing, would help you uh, greatly. I remember when I was in high school, I, I don't know why I didn't understand this, but I kind of skated through uh, you know, middle school and when I got to high school, I found out you had to have credits in order to graduate? What's all that about? Right? And uh, I remember that I actually, it was, it was actually an English class and uh, My English teacher wanted me to pass, but I had a failing grade, so he gave me an E. What is an E? (laughs) I came home and my dad says, what's an E? (laughs) -E D-E-F, I mean, what is that? You know, and, and I remember I got a letter in, in the mail from the, uh, from the principal that said, uh, you know, such and such, uh, because you have not had enough credits, you know, blah, 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 uh, you're gonna be reclassified. And I said, reclassified, what's that mean? Uh-oh, I better start doing what I should be doing. And so I started working hard and, and doing my homework and doing what I should be doing. And guess what? I ended up passing. So a lot of times, uh, if we're not living right, uh, there's gonna be a lot of, of worry and uh, anxiety in our life. So if we wanna overcome worry, and this is, this is not just a one-time thing, you have to form habits of this. Uh, how many of you remember what shoe you put on first today? Your right or your left? Some of you can't remember, some of you can't, okay? Um, it's a habit that you have to form and so you have to start doing these things and forming habits so that when the fiery darts start coming your way, uh, you, you've already been putting these things into practice and start doing them. This is not a one-time thing because if you overcome worry and anxiety today, tomorrow, if, if you live another day, uh, you'll have worry and anxiety come at you then. If not then, it'll be the next time. So it's a, it's a constant thing that you have to be putting into practice. In your, um, in your bulletin there, I gave you some practical things here about how to overcome worry. Now this is, this is just like a little homework, okay, for you. Um, and so if you want to put these things into practice and actually do them, all right, um, I got you some Bible verses here for you to study. But then to actually start putting into practice uh, uh, Philippians here, four, six through eight, praying properly, thinking properly living properly and put those into practice and you should be disciplining yourself to these things regardless of how you feel um, so that way you can overcome worry and anxiety okay um, we'll cover some more of these these things that uh, some of you asked about you know uh, fear depression Uh, Because these are real things that you you guys face. And uh, I want to give you helpful uh, things on how you can actually use the word to overcome these. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.